<laughs> to God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. We my couldn't name, finish it. My no. name is, I think just go with that. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I was just taking it in. I'm not going to sing here. I'm just going to enjoy this. It was, it was beautiful. I'm your moderator, and with me this week is Tenor... Two Dan Marcel. Question mark? Yeah. Ten or two. <laughs> Definitely baritone Scott Reed. Yeah. yeah. Don't even think about questioning Second it. soprano Bill <laughs> Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's up? Scott, you didn't sing. Will you pray That's instead? True. No, I'll do nothing. Will you, sing, will you sing your prayer? Oh. Not today. <laughs> Maybe a little more practice. Welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Mass. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and for the chance we have to be together. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, really speak to us and through us in this uh, in this next hour or so, um, that you would bless us with this conversation and bless all who mm-hmm. hear it. And Lord, uh, perhaps most of all, we pray that you would be glorified and honored by what we um, speak about today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 To us and through us, the new slogan of the Blue Indel Church podcast. <laughs> All right, Scott, All would right. you rather's? Time for another round. Is this convince oh, you? Convincing? No. Who won last would week? Was you it Bill? Debate. <laughs> was it Bill that won last week? I can't. I was trying to. think. Yeah, Bill won last week. Oh, you know what? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna tweak it this week because okay. I realized that last week was the first time we. Well, you might be hearing this episode before you hear last week's episode. No, you're gonna hear them listeners. both sequentially. <laughs> um, but last week it was the first time we'd ever done that. I'm not sorry. And I realized as we were going into the last round that it was like one to one. I think Dan to Bill, uh-huh. but Dan was the judge, so right. he had like strong incentive to not give it to Bill, which he did anyway. He, he was did because he's very a man impartial. of integrity, and um, Bill's a great arguer. <laughs> but I think what I'm gonna do this week is I'll judge. Based off of the arguments, mm. not based off of what the person chooses necessarily. Okay. Because okay. then it can be more or less impartial. This is Bloomingdale Church podcast. Would you rather toast mastered? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All right. The debate so, team. Uh, I don't remember who was the judge first last week, but I don't think it was Max. So, Max, you're going to be the judge first this week. Nice. Uh, Dan, you. You are arguing for, after using the bathroom, having to use a roll of toilet paper that's soaking wet. (laughs) And Bill, you are arguing for, after using the bathroom, having to use dry newspaper. So the would you rather question is... Can I decide who I want to go first? Yeah. So just to put it together, the question is, would you rather, after using the bathroom, have to use a roll of toilet paper that's soaking wet or have to use dry newspaper? Bill, take it away. Dry newspaper, my friends. And the reason is very simple. Soaking wet toilet paper can't do the job. But dry newspaper, you can crumple it up, soften it up. Mm. And actually, my understanding is people that had outhouses did something like that with old Sears catalogs as their toilet paper. Wow. Mm. Dan? Well, my friends... (laughs) I am being tasked to talk about the <laughs> virtues of wet toilet paper. And, you know, it really does help you get cleaned up well when there's already moisture present. I'm trying to talk in the most vague way possible to not gross out our, our <laughs> listeners Appreciate and engage that. their imaginations I don't in even that. know if they know what you're talking about, Dan. Okay, well, wet, <laughs> I'm trying to what intentionally... What if they can't relate at all to this experience? <laughs> when you have to clean up 
you know, sometimes it helps to have a little bit extra water mm. and, and to really get the big messes. Where <laughs> 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 dry newspaper just spreads the ink around. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Welcome to the last episode of <laughs> 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 Podcast. Would you rather Toastmaster edition have been canceled? Innocent Thrust. Uh, I would have. I think I'm going to end there. I think you should. <laughs> you know, I I didn't think about the ink, but I think I got I gotta go with uh, I gotta go with the newspaper. Come on. I'm sorry. You gave it your all though. I did. Oh, hey, for right. sheer entertainment value. Oh yeah. Dan won. <laughs> True. All right, we'll just go clockwise. Bill, you'll now be the judge. Um, So, Dan, you are arguing for never being able to turn away from others or cover your mouth when you sneeze. And, Max, you are during COVID. (laughs) Well, you're about to get vaccinated. You're arguing for having vile, smelly, unpredictable belches. Okay. So the question, Bill, is would you rather never be able to turn away from others or cover your mouth when you sneeze or have vile, smelly, unpredictable belches? And I'll leave it up to you, Bill, to decide who's going to make their case first. Max, look. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, this comes down to one thing, and, and that thing is is important to all of us. That's being polite. That's being considerate. And and the fact of the matter is that I don't think anyone's going to get mad at you if you have a, a condition that causes you to have vile-smelling uh, belches that you can't control, that happen at any time. But I'd like to remind you that in Dan's world, you will be knowingly sneezing in the face of grandmas, babies, and Santa Claus himself. And when you get to heaven... Yeah, sneeze in the face of Jesus. I rest wow. my case. <laughs> There's nothing here to say that this is going to last for all of eternity. Let's mm. just clarify that. Let's get to that right out of the way. Okay. And, you know, yes, you won't be able to turn away. There's nothing to say that you can't always have some tissues very very present. To be able to, even if I'm facing Bill and I sneeze, to be able to cover my nose or wear a mask and sneeze inside the mask and then replace the mask. <laughs> You can't cover your mouth. I can't. So I guess you have to take off the mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill, I don't think you should choose mine. I don't think you should. Especially like during this COVID environment. I can't with a good conscience argue my own point. It's really a bad idea. <laughs> I do a pulling, Max. pulling down the mask and just spitting it in their face and then putting it back on. Pig Max. Excuse All me. Right, you still Bill. say bless you at the end. You choose? I, I, I'm choosing Max. That's what I'm talking about. Wise choice. Now we got the finals here. Poor Dan. Those were brutal. Tough tough time. But now. Especially in 2020, 2021. But now, Dan, we've got got an even playing field. So I'm going to leave this actually in your hands to decide who's going to win at all. Um, Bill won last week. Was that what it was? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see if Bill can carry it to two weeks in a row. All right, Max. um, Max, you're arguing for having a career writing for a well-known yet controversial tabloid newspaper. Okay. And Bill, you're arguing for having a career writing for a popular teen heartthrob magazine that specializes in boy bands. <laughs> I'm going to read that one more time because I, I choked up a little bit in the middle. Of it. Bill, you're arguing for having a career writing for a popular teen heartthrob magazine that specializes in boy bands. So, Dan, your question is, would you rather have a career writing for a well-known yet controversial tabloid newspaper or have a career writing for a popular teen heartthrob magazine that specializes in boy bands you can decide who i want to hear bills this is <laughs> am i going first yes. yes you're going first all right i gotta hear this well i can see some real noble things coming out of the <laughs> teen magazine because you're introducing young girls to a wider world 
And you want to be able to do that in a way that has a spiritual emphasis. And I could do that with this magazine writing hmm. so that the boy bands that are wholesome are the ones being really lifted up and given a lot of publicity. The ones that are nefarious could be just left out altogether. I'd, I'd like to be able to write for that magazine and, and help these young women really develop their Christian lives. Hmm. Hmm. I think we have a new genre of music, wholesome boy band. Wholesome boy band. <laughs> What's wrong with the Jonas Brothers? I think that's what happened right before Max started the podcast. That was a pretty <laughs> we did have a wholesome band. boy band. <laughs> uh, mine is a well-known but controversial Tabloid newspaper. That's right. All right. When you walk into a supermarket, you'll typically see by the aisles these abhorrent uh, uh, newspapers, magazines, things that are just screaming. I mean, it's bad enough that we have a family-friendly section, right? We have a family-friendly aisle in, in many stores, at least where I come from. How great of an opportunity is it for you, Dan Marcello, to be putting what what is the most controversial story in the world, the gospel of Jesus mm. Christ, on the front page of the National Enquirer, stuck in the front section of all of these aisles at Jewel Osco. And people mm. walk up and they say, it's not possible. I can't be forgiven of my sins. And you pull off your mask and you're the one who's also scanning the items and you say, you can! And I'll tell you how! I'm working and at as, Jewel now. And right. as you're scanning their ice cream sandwiches, you walk them through page by page of how it can be done. And with tears in your eyes, you Neil, and the line is getting so long, but they're all so happy for the person who has come to know Christ. Well, you both made very compelling arguments. Wow. And very similar arguments. True. And you stole my arguments. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to dock Max a couple but I imaginary do, I, points. I, I go with Max only because he personalized it and said, you, Dan, <clears throat> will be doing this. <laughs> so I brought it down to my level. That's <laughs> all we had to do. Was just, Dan, if you do this, Bill, Bill you'll said be that he wanted to write for the magazine, but I would be the one that would be writing for the magazine. Oh, oh, oh I misunderstood. That's okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. Well, that would, that would be I'm a sorry, killer. Bill. It was very, I was very, it was like, mm. It was like uh, the last presidential election type close. Well, listeners, if you think Max stole Bill's argument, <laughs> tell us at podcast.org. I, I admit, I was going to talk about how you could travel around the world following these insane stories, but then he took it to the gospel. I was like, I got to match pace. Yeah. I can't be like, but think of all the fun travel you could have. And he's Your like, you could introduce even, all these wholesome things to these girls. Your need shirt to even says integrity, and yet here you are. <laughs> it also says... Brotherhood. Also says truth. <laughs> also says glee. <laughs> says a lot of things. And it most definitely says men. Uh, Bill, will you please give me a number between one and one thousand? But it can't be six six six. All right. Or six six seven. Or whatever you said. What did last I choose week? last week? Three thirty three. Really? Jeremiah thirty three three. Oh, that's what you're saying. This Call week. to me, and I will show you great and mighty oh, things which I, I do you not know. What you said last week, mm. I was very impressed. This, of course, is from the book One Thousand and One Things You Always Wanted to Know About the Bible but Never Thought to Ask, from uh, J. Stephen Lang, author of the complete book of Bible trivia with over six hundred thousand copies sold. Thank you, Doctor Lang, for your donation to the uh, Jetski Fund. 
Number 333, fundamentalists in the section People in Groups. The name comes from the Fundamentals, a series of 12 booklets defending traditional Christian teachings. These were published from 1910 to 1915 and sent free to thousands of pastors and theological students. They were a response to new findings in science and social thought that seemed to make Christianity outdated. Some church leaders were willing to accept new ideas, such as evolution, while others resisted, leading to a modernist fundamentalist split in many churches. The authors of the fundamentals def defended such teachings as Jesus' miracles, his virgin birth, his resurrection from the dead, and the historical reliability of the Bible. The name fundamentalists has come to apply to people who take a conservative approach to the Bible and to morality. Curiously, some of the original authors of the fundamentals were open to the possibility that evolution might be true. And today, fundamentalists get bad press, but they are a powerful social and political force. There is a line, a thin one, some would say, between fundamentalists and those who call themselves evangelicals. Mm. This is a fascinating, a fascinating touch. I want to talk a little bit about uh, this thing that's come up a couple different times of, I think, sort of a false uh, dichotomy. And you brought it up, actually, Bill, like two weeks ago, saying, you know, the first sip of the scientific method can make you an atheist, but at the bottom of the glass is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't remember whose quote that is, but I think that's a really interesting point that, you know, we, the, uh, we live in a world that I, I feel perpetuates uh, a, a conflict, right, between faith and, and science, between God and, and science, right? Um, but the fact of the matter is that God made the world and that science is a way to study the world. Uh, the way it was taught to me at Wheaton is, you know, theology is to God as science is to, is to creation. Um, it's, a, it's a means of understanding uh, something that is bigger than us and, and to that, if God made creation, if he is the creator, like, then I think science should, should, and, and does ultimately point to him. Is that more or less what you guys think? Yeah. I've known some scientists out there and they're probably in the minority and I hate, I'm not going to say Christian science. <laughs> it's, it's, like a, it's a cold group, <laughs> but scientists who are Christians who say every day, just looking at cells under a microscope or whatever they've done, it's the few people I can think of in my past that have said, this just pushes me closer and closer to God. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing to see just the finger of God in creation and every little minute detail that it just, it enhances their faith yeah. for the scientists who are believers out there who probably aren't, maybe there are more than I think and they're just kind of covert Christians, mm -hmm. not really wanting, because when they come out and say, like, I am a Christian, then they're probably discredited and mm -hmm. kind of laughed off by the, you know, the popular scientific community. Yeah, I want to say amen to what Dan's saying. I'm thinking of Bill Bright, the founder of Crew. Mm -hmm. He said, when we come onto a campus, our battle is not with the biology department, the chemistry department, the, the hard sciences. Those people are very much in our camp. They, they're the ones that usually are our allies when we're saying we want to have a crew chapter on your campus. Our battle is with the soft sciences. The sociology department is the one that mm. just won't let us come onto the campus. Mm. And there's got to be a real strong portion of Christians then in the hard sciences that are paving the way for crew and inner varsity mm -hmm. to be on college campuses. Mm. 
I think, too, of a great alpha video where Nikki Gumbel lists all of these very famous, just world-renowned scientists. He starts with, like, Sir Isaac Newton, the man who invented calculus. And then it goes to Michael Faraday and Galileo and Copernicus. And the list is just endless. But it ends with uh, Dr. Francis Collins, the man in charge of the Human Genome Project. He became a believer because of the simple witness difficult question asked by a little old lady who, who gave her testimony of why she was not worried about dying mm. and then said to him, Dr. Collins, where do you stand with Jesus Christ? And he realized, I, I've never even looked into this. And I'm mm. a scientist. I didn't even take the time to, mm -hmm. to look into this. And as a result, he became a believer. Mm. That quote... Um... Thank you, Bill, for this uh, quote. Is the first gulp from the glass of natural sciences will make you an atheist, but at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. And that's Werner Heisenberg, mm. uh, the father of quantum uh, physics, and the one for whom the, the first law of quantum mechanics, uh, or of, yes, quantum mechanics is named uh, the Heisenberg principle. Yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like, we all revel in God's creation. I think that's why science, like, people who are drawn to the sciences, I'm not personally drawn to the sciences very much. The closest thing to a science I'm drawn to is economics, because I think the study of decision-making is a beautiful thing. Um, but, you know, people who are drawn to the sciences are drawn there because they are inspired and encouraged and, and think what they are seeing is really cool. Um, and at the end of the day, like, we are all humans, right? And we're all made in the image of God. And, and uh, Tim Keller in the book uh, Every Good Endeavor talks about how <laughs> um, this idea of, of uh, being innate to, to us as humans is the ability to recognize God at work um, and the attraction to it. And whether or not that is, uh, as he says, sort of our first order, like the, uh, in the front of our minds or in the back of our minds, uh, whether we suppress it or we embrace it, like we recognize beauty, we recognize God when we see him in the world. And I think, you know, the sciences pave the way for us to better recognize beauty. Like, you know, all of the things that we know about our, our universe now would be impossible without, you know, people who are looking for something and, and, and science like any other study or any other, uh, you know, anything can become an idol, you know, can become a, a, an ends of its own. Um, but I think, you know, I, I would love to see, um, in this church and in my life, just like a lot of, of people who are in love with the sciences coming forth and say like, this is how I see Jesus in it. Um, because I don't think, uh, especially, you know, in, in, uh, with the, the Biden administration running on a big platform of like, we are the party of science. Like now is the time for us to say like, no, like science is not at odds with God. It describes his creation. Mm. Um, I think that's, you know, an important point that's easily forgotten just because it's easy to be afraid of something that chooses to, to uh, often preclude God. Um, but to say like, you know, people have been precluding God from their ideas for ever. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's never mm -hmm. too late. Uh, and it's never too, too far removed to, to show how his light relates to, to what it is that they're talking about. I was encouraged by this a few weeks ago, going to the Ark Encounter in the Creation Museum in mm -hmm. Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Friends of ours gifted us some tickets to go 
And it was just incredible. Whether or not you, wherever you land on the spectrum of like young earth versus old earth creationism, it was just, it was an, it was an encouragement to my faith to see how things may have played out. Hmm. And to realize like, yeah, there's, there are some holes in what modern science really pur- like puts forth. And uh, as like gospel, essentially, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like evolution and things like that. There are things you kind of scratch your head and like, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Um, and to see like there are credible scientific alternatives to that mm-hmm. uh, that involve our Lord. Mm. That was an encouragement to my faith. But yeah. I wasn't necessarily, didn't like go to expecting that. It just went like, this sounds cool. For sure. It really encouraged me. Um, other thoughts before we move on away from, from fundamentalists? I have that. It's a two-volume series, The Fundamentals. Yeah. Oh, cool. <clears throat> Mine wasn't free. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Well, Bill. that Came... was 1910. So. Yeah, but I remember reading in the preface of the book that they were distributed. I mean, we're talking an enormous number of copies. Somebody really put their money where their mouth is mm. to send that many copies mm. out for free. But I've read some of the articles in the fundamentals of the faith and wow, they are heady. I mean, mm. these people that were doing the presenting were generally pastors and professors. It is hard reading. It's, it's, it, it was truly like a scientific symposium sort of atmosphere yeah. when they presented. Mm. It would have been neat to see it. Yeah. it. It's really impressive to read it. Yeah. My goal is someday I'd like to finish both volumes, but they're answering questions that people aren't thinking about so much today. Hmm. Like, so, like what? I'd have to get the book out to look. Sure. I mean, some of them are still pertinent today, but others of them are so so highly defined that you think, yeah, that that isn't something anybody thinks about anymore. Huh. It's amazing how culture shifts in a hundred years. Yeah, yeah, and what we but it's like the collective thoughts of a culture are yeah can be shifted or answered hmm. pretty interesting which is why i'm having a hard time just saying yeah i'm gonna plow through all all the articles i mean we're talking two volumes that are probably i'll say like 900 pages each yeah. oh wow yeah even for you that's a lot well, especially when it's stuff where you just say yeah we kind of figured that all out a few years ago mm, or, you know, we've yeah. made up our minds now yeah one of the, <clears throat> I've only read the first, maybe third of it, but a pretty influential book from like the 50s, I think it was, was Your God is Too Small. Oh, yeah, by J.B. Phillips. By J.B. Phillips. And one of the first chapters, he just explains this experiment where he went to like Sunday schools for children and for like college kids and for adults. And he asked the same question. And his question was, does God understand radar? Hmm. And... He said their response to that question reveals a lot about what, who do they think God is? Like, do they picture him as like an old man who like has no need for our technologies? Mm -hmm. And so he just, you know, like, no, he doesn't really understand it, but it doesn't matter. Or, you know, he would find people kind of catching themselves and be like, no, well, I mean, yes, of course he does. (laughs) But it, you know, it's sort of that, that insight into, you know, does God give us technology, right? Does God give us the inspiration to develop technology? Mm -hmm. Does he understand how technologies work, right? Did he have a plan for how we could use the technology that we have, the technology that's driven this church since the, you know, pandemic uh, came in, like, you know, when 
when God brought people who knew about tech to this church, like, was he setting up for that? Because he knew how important the internet would be because he knew how important that, you know, high quality video would be. And like, you know, with the work that Lee has done, um, with great cinematography and things like that. So it's a very interesting thought. And I, 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 it's very much along those same lines of just like, it's an interesting question, um, that doesn't get asked very much. And I'm a big fan of it. Uh, really about that intersection of, of God and the world. Um, Let's get into topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you uh, by the new sermon series, Leaders, the Good and the Bad. Most people want to be a good leader in something. Maybe it's their job, at school, among peers, or at least in leading themselves well. And inevitably, we are all either good or bad leaders. Starting this weekend, April 17th and 18th, Pastor David invites you to join our journey through First and Second Kings in the Old Testament and the stories of influential kings and queens of the past. They had a profound effect on so many lives. Leaders, the good and the bad. New sermon series starts April 17th. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash leaders to learn more. I was super excited last week. I read, you know, bloomingdalechurch.org slash leaders. I didn't check that it was a real one. Uh, and then I checked it today and it turns out that is actually the real uh, URL. And I'm super excited about yeah. that. <laughs> uh, we just go by what you say and then we, and we just create well, a website. Make actually, it. Well, that's that's why I didn't release the episode last week because I wanted to, uh, yeah, you know, I didn't want to give Nita a heads up. Forward thinking. Of you. That's exactly right. Uh, for topic of the week this week, we are talking about spiritual maturity. Um, Ephesians 4.11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Um, kind of similar to what we were just talking about, um, but to kind of uh, jump in on the deep end a little bit here, I want to ask that question that that. Paul is addressing in Ephesians um, and ask in your experience uh, as you know, you, you, all three of uh, all three of you, I believe represent different generations. Dan, are you a Gen X or are you a millennial? Millennial. So close. Um, <laughs> and Scott, you're going to have to be our resident Gen Xer today. Um, right. Is it true that with spiritual maturity, we are tossed around less <laughs> by, uh, as as Paul says, by every wind of teaching, uh, by the waves blown here and there, um, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful ways? I think so. Because there's a distinction between being tossed by the storms of life mm. and like challenges in life. And then what it's talking about here, um, like the every wind of teaching, like doctrines that are not true mm. or, you know, like a cult group, like if you, like a lot of people who maybe are newer to faith or like, yeah, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Christians is like the same thing. Sure. And maybe you're more easily influenced. I've known people like that, that have just kind of someone that's Mormon is really nice to them and tells them they need to come to their church and they like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. It's like the same thing. And then they got to get locked in yeah. on that side. But yeah, I think there's a distinction between like, it doesn't mean that we who are, not, I shouldn't say we who are mature, because I'm maturing. Mm. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> those of us, we're all in a process, right? Yeah. But like, when he talks about like those of us who are mature, like, man, I think wherever we're on the spectrum, we're still going to get tossed around in life by 
tough stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've I heard a good quote recently that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% of your reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And so God helping us with our reactions to the things that are happening around us yeah. really makes a huge difference. And I think that's a big part of maturity is how we react. Mm. Act and react Yeah. in relation to our circumstances. Yeah. Let's follow that question. How can I know if I am spiritually mature or, or immature? Well, I was looking at Ephesians 4, but my eyes fell on the first words in verse 2. Be completely humble and mm. gentle. Be mm. patient. Mm. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Mm. Thinking, that is a mature person. Yeah. A person who's humble, who's making every effort to be in unity. People who will bear one another's burdens. People who are patient. My gosh, that is really what you're shooting for in your Christian life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's hard to see it in yourself because uh, yeah. typically in yourself, you just say, well, I'm patient. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm humble. Yeah. That's always our kind of automatic response, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. So it really does help if people speak into your life mm-hmm. and say, wow, you know, you need to settle down. You need some mm-hmm. patience. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, I was... Just blessed by your life. Um, you're unassuming. You're yeah. humble. So, uh, I guess I'm thinking of the most recent card I've written to somebody for their birthday is my daughter. And one thing I'm really impressed with in Nicole's life is she has these great abilities, but she never draws attention to herself with regard to those abilities. She's She really is humble. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm proud of her for that. Yeah. But it's not the kind of thing you you just wear a badge, you know. Yeah. yeah. Humble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, First Corinthians uh fifteen thirty-three talks about surrounding ourselves with good influences, with people who can walk alongside us and be, you know, uh companions and mentors. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a big part of it. I it seems a little I mean, I guess if God is in is in community in His nature, like we also should be in community. Um, but kind of what you said, like it's hard to see that in yourself, and indeed, like to be like, yes, I am humble. Like, good, I finally like nailed it down. Right. I am finally humble. Like needing people to be walking alongside us to do that as well. Mm. Um, I think maturity is going to be a lifelong process for every single believer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't ever get to a point where like, well, I'm a hundred percent like Jesus, sure, and I'm a hundred percent mature, and I. I don't need to do any more work on myself. Hmm. I'm just going to help others. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not very humble. <laughs> <laughs> We're all, I think it'll, till our dying day or till the Lord returns, it's going to be just continually leaning into that yeah. learning and growing, have a, having a posture of humility, like Bill said. Hmm. And like looking into Ephesians 4, what we're talking about, like it, it just keeps mentioning the body, the body, yeah. being in communion, community with other people. Mm. I think it, when you're rubbing shoulders with people, and especially people who are more mature than you, yeah. it really does rub off. I think it's caught in the church mm-hmm. a lot of times. And you, see, you get like a, a loop of Oni, like we've talked about him on the show before, or you get other people who are, have been around the church for a while, have been around faith for a while and really, really living it out. Yeah. When you get, when you hear from them, when you hear the, like the, from the congregations, the testimonies and the stories of what people are doing and how God is working in their life, that really does rub off. Mm-hmm. If you let it. 
If you let it, yeah, for sure. Because no, no person is an island, yeah. especially in terms of faith. Yeah. Hmm. Well, would you guys tell, mind telling me a little bit about, you know, if maturing spiritually is like a lifelong process, mm-hmm. would you tell me a little bit about, you know, looking back, like where you saw yourself as less spiritually mature? Like, you know, are there those mileposts where you can see, uh, you know, ways of thinking in the past or ways of operating in the past that God mm-hmm. has sort of helped you grow from, grow out of, or, you know, refined even, not even mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I left that behind, but it was like, oh, now I do that in a more mm-hmm. holy way, or I do that in a posture of, of mm-hmm. uh, you know, a more God-focused posture. And, and again, agreeing with what Dan said of like, we're never perfect. Like, it's not like it's like, and now I'm done. <laughs> um, I've arrived. But even as like a sophomore, you can see things as sure. a freshman that you did you know, differently. Mm-hmm. When I was um, in my teens, late teens, early 20s, I was very, very introverted. Hmm. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Like people would come over to our house and I would be like, the, I would be like eat and then go upstairs and not interact with like the dinner guests or just hmm. didn't really like leave in church and want to talk to people. But I ended up in college getting a job, moved back home, went and started going to a different college. The one I started off was like 15,000 people. It was too big. I moved home and we started working at Home Depot. And God really helped me work on that introversion because it was like pretty, sure. like, I was just essentially a hermit. Um, and so God really helped me work on that and really gave me a lot of boldness mm-hmm. that I didn't have before to share the gospel with people, yeah. to pray with people to share my faith, whereas before I would have been like, eh. it really got me out of my comfort zone because I had to be, I was a cashier, huh. I had to interact and talk to people like for an eight-hour shift. Sure. Be on my feet the whole time. Was it? Oh, go on. No, that was just an experience that I think God used in my life to, yeah. to help kind of bust me out of that bad pattern. Was that introversion? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked about with Daniel Rima on the show, yeah. uh, man, like a year ago to talk about. Uh, <laughs> that was know, a year ago? Myers-Briggs and talk about, yeah. you know, introversion and extroversion. And I mean, I'm still an introvert. Yeah. So, like, it's not like that's changed, but I think it just was expressing itself in kind of antisocial tendencies. Sure. And more of like an indifference to God's people. Yeah, an indifference to people in general. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, for sure. Not bad to be an introvert, because I still am one. Good to say. (laughs) You're in luck, Scott. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) You can't convince me it's bad to be an introvert. (laughs) I refuse. (laughs) I think this came up, I don't even remember, a few months ago, probably like, it's probably like eight months ago, but it feels like it was just like a couple weeks. Right. But uh, when I was in like high school and early college, um, I'm not going to get specific here because that's irrelevant and I don't want people thinking in terms that they shouldn't, but I was, I had a certain political bent and I was pretty committed to it. Um, and I think I was really close minded, honestly, huh. um, to other, I, I think I had, and honestly, I see this in a lot of people, but I had this kind of mentality of like, this is my my side of the aisle and everything on my side of the aisle is right. And everything on the other side of the aisle is wrong. Um, and like I said, unfortunately, I think that's the perspective that a lot of people have. They kind of Mm. elevate everything to the same level of importance, Mm. um, which is a big problem. Uh, and then as I went through college, there were just some global and and national events that were happening that at first I, I had my, my perspective on, you know, whatever it was. Uh, and then I just saw people post some scriptures that I just found very 
opposed to the, what I was feeling about this particular event. And I was like, Oh, I can't, I can't justify this. Hmm. And that kind of opened up my mind to the reality that like, you know what, there's issues on both sides of, of, and this has certainly been a process, but where I've arrived is both parties have, have issues that I think are important to champion and neither of them is reflective completely of like a Christian worldview. And so like, I don't care which party is doing what thing I care about what the Bible says. Mm. And that's going to be my, my standard of what I think is right. And like if the democratic party says one thing and that lines up with the Bible, great. I agree with that. If they say something else and that doesn't line up with the Bible or it's opposed to what the Bible says, I do not agree with that. Same exact thing with the Republican Party uh, or no party. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I just, I really think that that's allowed me, and I'm still working on this, but that's allowed me to just engage more thoughtfully with people and with their perspectives Mm -hmm. uh, and just with the issues as a whole, just kind of rooting myself in the scripture versus in teaching and cunning and craftiness of people. <laughs> As if, that doesn't describe, if that doesn't describe politics. <laughs> to a T. And that's something that you've brought up before on the show, a lot of trying to focus on the people, right? The people that we know, the people who are, who's got, God has put in our lives versus yeah. like the, the big the abstracts, abstract. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Movements and parties and things like that. And yeah, um, I think that's cool. Bill, the thing coming to my mind is how competitive I was. Mm-hmm. And, and that competitiveness really has stayed with me a long time through life. But there's two things that have really enabled me to think about it very, very differently. One of those things is this church, mm-hmm. that I can be on a team as opposed to being a solo pastor or a pastor with just a couple of part-time people working with me. Mm-hmm. I love this much better being on a team. It, mm-hmm. It's just, it's given me a life. First of all, it's not all, okay, if it's going to get done, I, I just got to suck it up and do it. Yeah. It's like, nope, you know what? There's other people. We can share this burden and we can get it done together and get it done with a way better quality too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that's really changed me is Instead of being a tennis player, which is a very competitive matter, especially singles, you you really play at a mental level. It's way more than physical. The mental strength in tennis is something that uh, I'm having a hard time articulating, but the gist of it is if you walk on the tennis court and you believe you're going to win you break the will of the other person somehow. Hmm. And, and so you, you become competitive and that carries into the rest of your life. Hmm. Whereas now I'm a marathon runner and it's very different. I'm not there to beat everybody at the Chicago marathon. That's ridiculous. That's, that's just an impossible goal. In fact, I'm really not even there to beat the guy running next to me. It's fine if he finishes ahead of me. What I'm there to beat is my own time. Mm-hmm. I want to do better, and I want to qualify for what my pursuit was for 10 years was qualify for Boston. So I had to keep working hard, keep improving, 
But if everybody qualifies for Boston, that's fine with me. That's, it's interesting. In a marathon, you literally walk, not walk, you run by people and they run by you and people are saying words of encouragement to you. <laughs> that does not happen in tennis. You, right. you do not say to your opponent, oh, good hit. what a great serve. Woo, I wish I could serve like you. You, you would <laughs> never say something like that. You know? As you're serving the ball, you got this. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can return this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It, it, so that that's helped shape my mind too, and hmm. then I'm, let's give the Holy Spirit and the Lord His due credit too. <laughs> that He's been working on me my whole life, and yeah. um, I think just by spending a lot of time in the Scriptures, praying, asking the Holy Spirit to fill me, that's that's changed me too. Yeah. One of the things that stuck out to me about um, this concept of like spiritual, uh, being immature in the spirit, um, and, and having to grow in our faith, uh, is that both Paul and Peter write about spiritual milk versus spiritual solid food. Uh, in first Corinthians three, two, um, Paul says, I fed you with milk, not solid food for you. are not ready for it. And even now you're not ready for it. Uh, and, uh, Peter says, so put away all malice and all deceit, uh, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Um, and then the writer of Hebrews, who we don't know who that is, but we're pretty sure it's not Paul or Peter, so someone else says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracle, uh, oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Um, so no matter where we are, in our spiritual journey, no matter what we are eating in our spiritual journey, how can we prepare ourselves better for the next more solid food? I think uh, read the Bible. Hmm. Um, as you're reading those passages, uh, this, I don't know, turn of phrase, I guess, uh, popped into my mind. That's like something along the lines of like, swallow the meat and spit out the bones, hmm. um, which I'm not sure if that was developed specifically in context of like biblical teaching or if it's just kind of like a general thing. I've only ever heard it like once or twice, but the general idea is like when you're listening to someone, you know, take what's good, but reject what's not. Um, and I think there's so much good human scholarship and, and, and theological thinking and stuff that's out there that I would think, you know, is probably meat, you know, not in terms of meat versus bones, but in terms of meat ver or solid food versus milk, I should say. It's, it's solid food. It's it's heady. It's, it's weighty. It's hard to comprehend. But a lot of it, because it's just generated by people, will have some bones in it. And so for you to be up to snuff of, of consuming the solid food in a way that's healthy, you need to be able to distinguish what those bones are mm. so that you can reject them. Mm. Um I was watching this guy uh, or listening to this guy a couple of days ago and he was like, a lot of people ask me what scholars I would recommend and I'm always hesitant to do it because it's like you're in like an orchard with all this wonderful fruit, but there's also like landmines <laughs> and you need to avoid the landmines. And I think that's just true of, of every human endeavor. Hmm. Like at some point, the person's going to say something that's just not quite right. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's really not quite right. Um, 
And so I think if you're rooted in the word and you're right. continually coming back to that and just immersing yourself in that, that's going to give you your standard of what is true. Yeah. And then when things don't really sit right with you, um, you'll know why it's because of it's the scriptures are not lining up with what this person is saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's a really important thing. Yeah. Being equipped to, to judge, right. As, yeah. as mm-hmm. Hebrews says, right. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to discern. I think that's what made me think of it. Trained by constant practice. I think that's true for sure. I think it's important. Like, and that, maybe it's just coming back, circling back to what Bill was saying about being humble. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of times and Bill, maybe you've heard it, Scott, Max, of someone saying, well, I've, that sermon, I've, I've heard it all before. Mm-hmm. I've heard this and that, you know, the gospel. we got to move on to something like more meaty. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess my response would be, maybe you feel that way and there's nothing stopping you from doing your own study and really digging deep, like Scott said, into the Word and growing that way. But I think, don't think that certain things are beneath you. Maybe God will bring you back to milk mm-hmm. on purpose. Mm-hmm. And there's been times in my life where I felt God bringing me back to a, a spiritual truth I learned like 10 years ago. or mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is pretty basic, but is reminding me of it and it teach me something different in it to see it a different way yeah. um, to help someone else. And so I, my, my thought would be don't, don't dismiss if you feel like, ah oh, man, I'm mm-hmm. reading it and it's just pure milk. Well, maybe that's what you need. Mm-hmm. That's what God wants from you right now yeah. Yeah. to be able to take you somewhere different. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of what I think, well, I, I didn't hear what he said on Saturday night, but for the inside services, I think he only really said this at the first one, but Daniel Wright uh, at our in-person services, he was introducing this past weekend, if you weren't there, um, we had youth-led services. And so uh, Daniel was sort of introducing three teenagers who've been involved in discipleship relationships with, um, <clears throat> I think it's Daniel, Mickey, and Chelsea, respectively, for the three teens. But Daniel was talking about his experience with the team that he's been meeting with or one of the teens um, <clears throat> and just talking about how it's been really cool for him to kind of re-experience those, mm-hmm. I think he described them as like the simple truths of Christianity and like, you know, like, an, like re-appreciate them mm-hmm. uh, as this young, you know, high schooler is not experience them for the first time. Cause I, you know, they grew up in the church, but like kind of coming into their own maybe for the first time. And, yeah. and so just, that's a plug, I guess, for the discipleship relationships mm-hmm. of, you know, like what you were saying, Dan, you mentioned like experiencing the milk to help someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, when we have those relationships with younger believers or older believers, both directions, um, the simple truths can kind of stand out in new ways as you see someone else experience it mm. for perhaps the first time. Mm. And you can remember like what that mm-hmm. was like uh, because yeah, I mean the gospel is it, I guess you could say it's milk, but it's also mm-hmm. the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. Mm. Um, so like it's, if it is milk, if that's even like a fair thing to say, it's like, it's good milk. you got to drink that milk. <laughs> yeah. And I've been around people that have a really bad attitude about stuff like that. And this is years and years, like 20 years ago or more, where I remember watching a video with some people. It was the life of Christ. It was yeah. like the gospel of John. And they were like, <laughs> we don't need to, we don't need to make that noise. It's like word for word. It's word for word, the, the Bible. And they were just like, like we don't, they left. Like, we, don't, we don't need to watch this. Huh. I was just like, oh man, that's kind of. I was like in, like in super engaged with it. Like this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I get that with Alpha. Mm-hmm. That people who've been Christians a while will visit Alpha, and even after the first lesson, they will say to me, 
I already know all this stuff. I, I, I don't need this. And I say to them, that, that's okay. <clears throat> uh, you don't need to come back. And I really don't want them to come back because mm -hmm. they'll poison the room. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I reply, though, with, you know, I got a doctor in this stuff, and this is my 40th time through. I'm, I'm still loving it. <laughs> <laughs> because that's yeah. true. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with milk. No. <laughs> if, if all you ate was meat, your body would be out of balance. Hmm. Milk is wonderful. Mm -hmm. you, you, you really need both. That's a great point from like a health perspective. You, you can't just eat red meat all the time without having a heart attack. You need to intersperse yeah. different things in your diet. You need a glass of milk, too. You need a glass yeah. of milk. And that's it. That's all you <laughs> need. That's, that's all that your diet is. That's a steak and a glass of milk. I think we need to create a new diet book. This has been Bill, nutrition Bill, Bill with Calvin, Calvin Sr. Calvin would say, with Peter my dad, who's 93, you need cookies. Hey, he's the cookie monster. How do you argue with somebody 90? Three, like, well, oh, no, that's not good for you. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> you can't argue with that. True. Mm. Perfect. Well, for our closing... Oh, wait. Closing await. I love the closing await. Mm -hmm. For our closing await, <laughs> we will await uh, while I read the email. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes, cookies, cookbooks, mm. and your nutritional red meat tips to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. And for our closing segment this week, it's time for Where in the Bible is yes. Carmen San Diego. I was hoping we were going to do it again. We've got three passages of scripture, and you gentlemen will be telling us their book, chapter, and verse references. And the winner. You read my mind. As I always do. You, as you always do. <laughs> I, I was thinking, man, I, I hope, as much as I miss bets, I really like this Where in the Bible is Carmen Sandiego. I love Where in the Bible. And, and you listeners can play along at home. Uh, Alexander and Rufus. All right. We'll have no idea if you're cheating, but we'll assume you're not. All right. Everybody ready? Bill's won two weeks in a row, I think. I know. It's, you got to step I'm up, Dan. I'm not surprised. You I'm trying to only win lost by one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get started. Uh, these are all pretty long passages, mm. um, so it'll give you lots of time to think uh, or be filled with is dread. This, is this open book? <laughs> uh, it's not <laughs> open book, but I don't think it being open That's book would help that experience. much. It's a big Bible. <laughs> That's true. But true. It's like if you knew where to look, you probably wouldn't need to look. <laughs> Fair point. Maybe for the verses, though. Yeah. yeah. So that's how that's how I tell you go from a two to three pointer. Yeah. Um, but that would be an assisted perfect game, and we don't do those. Uh, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worth worship the joy with gladness. What worship? <laughs> <laughs> worship, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. It's in This was read somewhere in a service recently. It was. I was there, Dan. <laughs> was it Good Friday? Was it Easter? <laughs> I'm kidding. I have no idea. If I don't think it was read in one no, of our no, services. Was, right? oh, no, I, it was read I, somewhere. I was just doing a bit. I have no idea when it was read. Um, uh, Bill, are you ready? Yep. Wait. Scotty? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. That's the wait, spirit. Wait, wait. Just give me one second. Dan, are you ready? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, fine. All right. Here we go. <laughs> uh, let's start with the ever-confident Scott Reed. Uh, I said Psalm 80, verse 1 to 5. Uh, and Dan. Psalm 30, 6 to 8. Bill. 
Psalm 100, 1 to 5. It is Psalm 100, Woo! 1 to 5. So Scott Bill, pulls out two, two points, points for right. nailing the verse reference. I got one uh, point. Bill's got it all in his brain, ah. and Dan is off to a slow start. But and Dan heard it in the service. <laughs> Dan heard, I heard it, it somewhere <laughs> recently. I've heard this this poem before. Is it in the Bible? This is um one of the ones that my daughter did when she was learning English. So I've got. Aww. It was really cute. Oh, that's really cute. cute. We should get bring it back. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. As they say in uh, the podcast approved book god smuggler you got to be willing to sell the house yeah. god gives you the house you got to be willing to sell the house because everything belongs to god it's true um, man that is such a cool story though it's kind of a terrifying story but it's also like god gave him a promise that this son that through this child he would oh, he would be multiplied and so it's like well even i have to assume that even if i do what god tells me to do like He'll still make it happen. That's a faith. Still make it happen. I don't have a child, so it's easy for me to say. (laughs) Uh, Bill, are you ready? Yeah. I'm I'm just having a hard time choosing the chapter. It's in Genesis. I think it's chapter 19, verses 14 to 17, but maybe it's chapter 20. Uh, So you're going 19. Yeah. Scott. Earlier than I thought. I said Genesis 28, 15 to 20. Okay. And I said Dan. Genesis 14, 30 to 36. It is Genesis 22, 9 to 12. So it's mm. ones across the board. Ones we got Genesis playing Battleship with the chapter there, but we didn't quite hit it. And then everybody <laughs> was very high, very high in the, uh, in the verse range, which makes sense. It seems like it should be coming later in the, in the chapter, yeah. but it's not. Yeah. yeah. Finally, this is it. So, Wait, what was the chapter for that again? Uh, Twenty-two, 22. verses okay. nine to twelve. Man, there's so much. There's like, so, so much of Genesis is just like the next two generations or three generations yeah. of Abraham. It's crazy. <laughs> I know that we're twenty-two in, and Abraham, like Isaac, isn't even grown up yet. It's like yeah. For some reason, I was thinking because later on, like in the twenties, is I believe is Joseph. Yeah. All right, last one. So the score is Bill with four, Scott with. Three and Woo-hoo. Dan with two, so it is anyone's game. Oh, man. But, okay. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Can you read that one more time? No. <laughs> okay. No, go ahead, because, man, I am lost. <clears throat> yeah, I got nothing. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. 
This All is right. not an apocryphal book. This is in the Bible. <laughs> All right. That's good. Money back guaranteed. <sighs> All right. I'm not even sure if there are this many chapters in the book, but I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. Genesis yeah. 98. <laughs> when they're talking about our Lord Jesus. Uh, who hasn't gone first? I guess I it's always been. I haven't gone first. Yeah, Bill every time. First. All right, Dan. I'm going with the book of Jude. Ooh. There's only one chapter. Verses 7 to 11. I almost went with Jude because I was like, wouldn't that be crazy? But then I didn't. <laughs> Scott, what do you got? I said 1 Thessalonians 5, 10 to 12. <laughs> I do love I have no idea if there's even this many chapters in this book. I know there's four. That's the fun of this game. That's the fun of this game. I put 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. So it is it is Jude. One Woo! 17 to 21, which means Bill gets one point. Oh, Bill wins. Scott with zero and Dan with two. two. So Bill pulls out the I five to four. I can't victory. believe it was. It talks a lot about like false teachers. Unbelievably I can't believe I thought close. of Jude. Unbelievably <laughs> close. Oh. Dan, you you tied it up, but Bill is the home team. Uh, the, Good and job, he gets Bill. that last minute run. You, in the you get those jelly night. beans, Bill. Well done. Well, we don't have jelly beans today, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, you don't get no. those jelly beans, Bill. We've got oh, raisinets. I've been, whoa, whoa. This is a real nice prize. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting you guys to be upset about it, but I see now that in, no. indeed this is an improvement. This is, yeah, this is jelly beans stuff. are dead. Raisinets, Bill had five? Raisinets for life. Uh, Bill had five. Five. He went 3-1-1, one, one, an unusual way to win, but when you start out with a perfect, yeah, that's, that's impressive. And then uh, you had the 1-1-2, one, one, so you almost brought it all the way back. Almost. That was nice. Uh, that is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, Max. Max. Dan, take us home. Well, you've been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Good show. Oh, you, you're, your streak has been extended to three. Man, that's yeah. impressive. Feel the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other option, Scott, would be uh, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. So lovely the world that he gave us a son. Are we going to do like a quartet right now? Okay. <laughs> to God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved ye the world that he gave us his son.